Welcome to LAPUX Lessons. This podcast is a growing collection of conversations with the thought leaders in the online professional development space. Here at LAPU, our award-winning team strives to create world-class online learning experiences that put humanity back into learning. Join us on our journey to innovate in the online classroom and show the world what learning feels like. everybody and thank you so much for joining us. Today we are getting to know John Reynolds. He is the president of Los Angeles Pacific University and the champion of the Los Angeles Pacific University Extension programs. So we are going to dive right in. You have met me before. My name is Megan Burns and I am heading up the LAPUX marketing and social media and I get to work quite a bit with Callista on this podcast. So Callista, I'll let you introduce yourself again. Hi, yes, I'm Calista Dawson, and I am the Senior Instructional Media Designer, and I wanted to bring all of us together today so that we could really highlight what it is that we're trying to accomplish here with LAPUX and who's at the helm, who is our champion, and who is supporting us, and that is Dr. John Reynolds. So it's so good to have you here today. Well, it's very good to be here, and um, this will be good company, good conversation, I'm sure. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, John, can you introduce a little bit about yourself to get us started? Sure. Um, so obviously, my name is John Reynolds, and my uh, role is the president of Los Angeles Pacific University, of which LAPUX is one of our most important um, initiatives some right now. I'm a South African. That's why I speak a little funnier than most people that you'll be listening to on the uh, podcast. And I've lived in the U.S. for about 30 years now, so it's um, almost just in a half my life. Career-wise, I've been in business and, and then eventually into uh, non-government organizations. I worked for World Vision International for a while, and then I've been in higher education the last 20 years. So it's a fairly short career in higher education because, as you know, most administrators in higher education, this has been a lifetime career. They go through their academic pathways to their doctorate and then basically into faculty and eventually land up in administration. So it's been a little, little different. But I think that's actually why we are a little different as a university and even in terms of LAPUX, in terms of what we're doing. So, yeah, so I'm a bit of, bo- bit of both worlds. My background actually is computer science. So that's uh, where most of my career has been. But again, most recently, the last 20 years in administration, firstly at Azusa Pacific University, our sister university, and then for the last almost decade, now 10 years uh, with um, Los Angeles Pacific University. We have a icebreaker style question for you, just to get to know a little bit more about your background and a little bit more about you. So what is a meal that reminds you of your childhood and why? Well, let me just say icebreaker is a strange term for us. You know, we, I I actually never drank anything with ice till I came to the United States. Um, It's a a very American deal. Now, unfortunately, when I travel out of the U.S., the first thing I order on a plane coming back is a big glass of ice with a Diet Coke. But so when you say icebreaker, it's always a strange um, deal. However, getting back to your question, the the childhood meal actually is hot dogs. That's, That's as strange as that can be. In South Africa, growing up, um, there weren't very many fast food restaurants. Uh, there weren't a lot of restaurants, period. We were a middle, middle blue-collar work in families. So during the week, it was basically pretty much meat and potatoes um, every night. And, to, and so the big deal on Saturday, and say, again, growing up, it was a very British-type culture. So the stores were only open till midday on a Saturday. 
and then everything shut down until Monday morning. Saturday afternoon was the big sports day. That's when you went out and played your rugby or cricket or whatever it is. And so the meal, the special meal was hot dogs. And so um, we had this German butcher who used to make the Frankfurters or Wieners, Viennas, whatever you call them here. And um, that was just such a big deal that we had this the strange kid-like food, hot dogs. Uh, I mean, it was really, I, I don't think I ever bought a hot dog in a store until I came to the States. And I'd, um, I was about 19 before I had my first hamburger. We just had no fast food restaurants, so um, that wasn't around. And um, you had to put you know, minced beef on a bun was just the strangest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, you know, why couldn't you just have the steak? <laughs> just a, it was a strange thing. Anyway, so there's a there's a long answer, but um, yeah, so it'd be hot dogs. So you know, Costco and Sam's Club are my favorite go-to places. You know. So we also wanted to hear a little bit about what brought you to the United States. What led you here? Well, the easy answer was a plane, but um, yeah, the, I, we actually have lived here in the U.S. twice. We came, my wife and I married in the early 80s, and it was too about a traumatic year for a woman. We actually were engaged, married, and immigrated within 11 months. And we only met 90 days before we got engaged. So it was kind of this, we never tell our kids until after they were engaged, because <laughs> we didn't want anybody to do that quickly. As, as, but um, So that was the first time we lived here for two years. I worked for World Vision International at the time. This was um, kind of just as personal computers were coming into, I was a mainframe software engineer, but coming into personal computers. It was an exciting time because at the time, um, they used economy to the United Nations. So I worked for a bit with the United Nations in New York. And so for the strange kid from Africa, it was really, the UN were just very, very generous. I mean, we used to fly Pan Am, who doesn't exist anymore, helicopters down to Manhattan. That really, really was cool. Second time was, again, a big project. We had decided to go back into ministry, and uh, there was a big project in the U.S., uh, the International Headquarters for World Vision in Monrovia, California. And uh, they had a global project uh, to actually digitize their um, child sponsorship program. So they asked me to come over for two years to do that. And that was in the early 90s. We thought it would be good for our sons to get trips to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and all those kind of good things. And the two years became three years, which became 20 years, which became 30 years. And so um, now we, um, half our family is now obviously American. Both my sons are married to American uh, women. And so, yeah, so it really was with World Vision was to come to a project and things just progressed from there. Never lost the accent, though. I apologize for that. Thank you for sharing. We are going to switch gears just a little bit and ask a little bit more about LAPUX. So to start from a high level, we're curious where this idea of providing online Christian higher education came from. Sure, it actually goes back almost to the 90s and before online was actually even thought much about uh, I was working in a, in a project that actually was an academic project with World Vision to develop leaders for the 21st century. And so part of the program was a partnership with Eastern University in Pennsylvania. And I was teaching the program in, in organizational change and sitting with the president of Eastern in Cyprus in the Mediterranean. And it was one evening, we, just, we were co-teaching a class and we were sitting, talking about the class and uh, looking out over Cyprus is a very beautiful place to be. And we were actually lamenting the fact that there were so many men and women who were coming from developing countries, Africa, Asia, for an education in the UK and the US, and then actually staying 
and not going back to their countries. And especially when you thought about the Christian leaders doing that, and so they'd come to the U.S. to a seminary or to a very good Christian university in the, in the U.S., Easton being one of them, or to the U.K., they were not going back. And so what we were really doing was we were pillaging the Christian leadership in actually in, in these countries. And we said there's got to be a way that we can actually provide Christian higher education the same quality, the same privileges we have in the US and the in Europe in the country. And so how do we do that? Do you start branch campuses? Well, that's really a physical challenge. And that was when we said we need to actually remove geographic boundaries. And the only way we could remove geographic boundaries was to go online. So that was actually the kind of the genesis of it. It developed because I was really interested in mega universities. Uh, South Africa has a university called University of South Africa, UNISA, and that's a running at about 500,000 online students. And they've been around for almost a century. It was obviously, it wasn't technical online. It was um, male kind of correspondence course, but eventually they moved in. There were a number of universities that I uh, was familiar with. Open University, I had a lot of work with Open University in the UK, the vice chancellor there. Uh, at that time, Brenda Galay was a friend of mine. She had been a vice chancellor in South Africa. So I got to visit Open University and Open University, same thing. I think they're four or 500,000 students. So that was how it actually developed. So it really was accessibility was where it started um, in terms of, uh, of that. And then the idea of Christian higher education is pretty limited to the US. You don't hear much of it outside and pretty, in, uh, I like to be an international person. And so the idea of how do you actually make what we have in good Christian higher education in the U.S. available to the world and was really through online. So that, that was kind of the, the genesis in terms of accessibility. Well, with that in mind, can you tell us a little bit about the origin story of LAPUX, since that is a newer extension of what it is? <laughs> yeah, <doing>. really, yeah. <laughs> I think it goes back again, um, as I say, my background has not always been in higher education. So I've been in the corporate world and in the NGO, the non-government organization world. And I suppose I've always been a strong believer in lifelong learning. I'm a non-traditional student. Any time I actually physically went into, it was in higher education, was in a polytechnic. And so that were two years, but the rest of my education has always been non-traditional. And I've always had this desire to learn. And so what I've found is, I've, as I've spoken to, most most people, everybody wants to learn, right? And that's the key. Uh, however, not everybody can afford the possibility or in terms of time or even monies to f have formal education by through a bachelor's degree or an associate's or a master's or anything that's formal because it, it requires a number of things. It requires you to set aside a time, obviously some sacrifice. And in many cases, it's more than you need to know, especially as you move through life. Once you have your base foundation, you're, especially if it's a liberal arts education, you have a very broad base. And then you move into the corporate world or to the ministry world or wherever it is. And then as you move in your career, there's some specific skills or competencies or knowledge nuggets that you really need in order for you to advance your career. Do you need to go back and do an MBA? Possibly. You know, in terms of red, you need to go back and do a grad, possibly. But sometimes it's just something. I've been put into a new position or a new role, and there's some particular item that I need to work with, right, in terms of knowledge. And so um, how do we actually give these nuggets of knowledge or competency or a skill in a very affordable and accessible way um, and actually somewhat contained to a, a, a boundary of what we're trying to learn? So the idea of having these core products around a specific skill, if I 
uh, want to be a, a more effective strategist, a better communicator, a better public speaker, you know, a better manager, etc. And how do I actually do that? Well, I have, in most cases, you have to make a choice saying, well, do I go back and do a graduate degree now in management or leadership? And those are really good things, but not everybody can afford to do it both economically or from a time perspective, or even from a, a personal life perspective, running a family, other activities, church work, et cetera. I just can't do that. So the option, if we don't have something like LAPUX is basically, I just don't do it, or I try and find something on the web, right? And I'll try and kind of mollycoddle and put something together. Now that again, it's kind of a, you know, a bit of a random deal. You know, that's, um, it's a bit of a, like a crapshoot. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen versus now you actually say, well, let's put something around that has quality because we know it's coming out of university and we can put some really good guardrails around what we're trying to provide. So that idea really works well. The problem is you land up a confusion if you have it within the university because, well, what is this? Is this for academic credit or is it not for academic credit? Does it have assessment? Doesn't have an assessment? And all our stakeholders who are involved in our academic rigor, crediting agencies, have questions around that. So the idea was to say, okay, well, let's take these particular areas, these um, knowledge nuggets out and put them into a kind of a, a logical group. And that's that's kind of was the origin of um, LAPUX and what we're trying to do. Both of you involved in, in this process, you know, that's the idea saying, so pretty much a, a centralized, very specific, singular topic that we're looking at for a specific need. And when it's there, it's there. You can go out and you can make it happen. I think you covered a little bit of the answer to this next question that I have for you. I'm curious, what are we doing differently from competitors? I know you mentioned people might go online and start Googling, you know, leading virtual teams or how do I become a better communicator? And they'll be bombarded with a lot of different options that stem from, you know, yeah. graduate work to undergraduate work to certification. So why would somebody choose LAPUX specifically? I think there's a couple of reasons. Yeah, one is I think we're pretty specific in terms of addressing what are the current needs um, in terms of agility, what is actually happening in the market and what do we think? people, uh, not even really think, I mean, I think there's evidence as to why we choose and we to develop the products we actually have, because we know there's a need. I mean, uh, just the uh, managing a remote uh, workforce is, is kind of, that's a particular need at this particular time and time in history. So I think there's currency to what we do. Obviously, the convenience of what we're doing, I think, is a differentiator as well. The fact that it's self-paced, do it when you can. And again, that fits into our whole philosophy at both LAPU and LAPUX is saying, and we know people have busy lives. And so um, how do you actually give them the opportunity to actually do what they need to do without actually having to sacrifice important things in their life, family, careers, um, church work, or what, what, whatever, whatever that, that particular need is. So I think that that becomes um, really important. And then I think the, the third piece is the quality that there's almost a, a, a housekeeping seal of approval on what we're doing, because we're not just doing this as a production line, deployable, let's just get out and make it happen. There are standards and quality in terms of what we're doing that are as rigorous as if we were creating an academic um, program for a full degree. And so that idea of having a university's backing and endorsement and support of what we're doing is really, really important. So 
for somebody who's just looking for something, that's what you look at saying, boy, th these are topics that are really relevant to whatever job I'm doing, especially as, as a leader. Secondly, I can do them. They're fairly affordable and I can do them whenever I need to do them. And thirdly, they, there's going to be high quality because I know they probably have the same rigor. If it's going to be done under the university's auspices, there's going to be rigor and quality that you would not generally, you might not find elsewhere. Now, there are others out there, but you know, how would you actually discern that? And so I think at least those three things would be put us at the top of a pile in terms of saying, yeah, this is something we need to consider for our personal development. So a lot of our courses on LAPUX are leadership centric and focus on a lot of the intricacies of being a good leader. So we'd like to hear more about your personal leadership philosophy and how that's manifesting itself in the way that you're leading this initiative. Well, you know, this could be a very long podcast if I get into all the things that, uh, that I think about. Um, so firstly, I really am one of the um, strong advocates of we develop leaders, okay, the actual person, and then we develop leadership and how we actually manifest our leadership into an organization, a community. So, so let me speak a little bit about everybody is a leader. So, you know, one of the standard questions always get in your know, leaders um, born or made. And my response is, well, do you have a mother? Because most people, most leaders are born and everybody is a leader because at, at the very, very minimum, we all lead our own lives. Okay, that's that's a very minimum in terms of then sometimes we have the privilege of leading families, sometimes we have the privilege of leading in you know organizations, et cetera. But we are all leaders at some point. That's why it's really important for us to focus in terms of who the leader is. So and there's no leadership theory that I can think of actually that doesn't have the leader right at the core, self-awareness, who they are. And it's becoming more and more important even in the current days. So the idea of authentic leadership and being able somebody who can trust and communicate, especially in these uncertain times that we're living in now, people are looking for leaders who they can trust, have integrity, they're honest, they're transparent, they're compassionate, or at least empathetic in terms of where things are. So it's really important for me in my, at least in my personal philosophy, that everybody is a leader and everybody can develop as a leader. And then my personal mission statement is basically to encourage, equip, and empower leaders to their God-given potential. I mean, that really is what I've done at least for the last you know, 30 years in terms of my own career. And, and, and I do it in different ways. So part of the ways is leading a university, but ultimately it gets down to how do I equip, encourage and empower people to be effective leaders? Because everybody has a God-given potential, right? In terms of they are God has purposes and designed us to be um, certain people. And so if I can be part of that facilitation at both as an individual and through products like we have at LAPU and LAPUX to make that happen. I want to be you know, the strongest champion possible to make that actually happen. So I think that's an important part of how do we create that. To, you know, again, I, I really do have this philosophy and many people hear it saying, I'm almost sure that one day I will actually follow you, right? I mean, that's the issue. There are lots of complex definitions around leaders, but the simplest one is, do they have followers? Um, if you don't have followers, you can't be a leader. And so you can go into lots of other things. A lot of us who are leaders, I say we, we lead our own lives, but if you lead, happen to have the privilege of leading a, a group of uh, men and women, that's always the issue of why would they follow you, right? And so it's, it gets back to your character, who you are, um, how you act. 
the second most important part is to empower these followers to become the leaders that you one day want to follow. And so how do you help and facilitate that, both through the intangibles, you know, support and encouragement, prayer, mentoring, coaching, and those kinds, but also through the tangible, you know, how do you become better decision makers? How do you actually provide vision? How do you communicate well? How do you create strategy? How do you handle conflict? How do you respond and not react in crises and and all the things that I think you need to do effectively as a leader in this world. So as you can hear, it's something I'm very passionate about, something I teach on, something I write on, and something um, I, I like to do. And I think it manifests because I think it's common to every individual that I know, because I say everybody is a leader. So you know, sometimes you can say, well, we could focus on financial management. Well, not everybody is a financial manager or a financial leader. And there's certainly a specific group for that or pick your functionality or, you know, or your specialist skill to do that. But the one thing I'm sure of is everybody is a leader. And so let's see what we can do to, to actually facilitate and create the space for them to be as effective as they can. We are facilitating that type of learning via certifications and badges all through the extension programs. So which courses at LAPUX are your favorite? Okay. Well, before I answer that, just that comment, I think also people need to actually celebrate you know, the fact that they are growing. And so just as you spoke, mentioned the digital badges and certificates, because it's one thing for us just to have lifelong learning saying, well, I feel like I'm a better leader than I was last year. But the fact that you can actually have something tangible to show progress is really important because I don't think as leaders, we celebrate um, our learning enough, um, especially for lifelong learning, because it becomes part of your own life, right? And so you just carry on. But to have those kind of discrete and tangible points saying, I really have accomplished something. And Everybody likes to have something. They say, okay, I can tick the box, right? <laughs> in terms of I've done that and so I can move on uh, with it. So an important part, I think, of what we're doing at LAPUX is actually having these kind of these celebration points. So sure you earned a digital badge, you've earned a certificate, and you can scaffold it, right, in terms of how you can move on. Because again, it's a, it's a continual process of lifelong learning, et cetera. So back to your, your question, because I was just digressing, you know, it's like a squirrel. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. But probably, I mean, there's lots of good courses. And so this is actually like trying to work out your favorite child, right? Yeah. So I, I think to me, it's still strange enough. It's the evidence-based decision-making. Yeah, As I think about that, I, why would that be? I think it's because I, again, I, I have this belief that everybody, I mean, we make decisions from when we open our eyes in the morning. <laughs> do you want to get out of bed now? Oh, do I, you know, do I wait a little longer, right? And basically that's where your decision make, and it never stops until the end of the day, even to, it's a time to go to bed now, decision, right? So, yeah, do I read before I go to sleep, decision. So you got those personal decisions you're making all the time. And then in between, you have all the professional decisions you're making. And again, some of them are around your own personal life, but often others have high impact in terms of other stakeholders, depending where you're on the organization. If you have a positional title as a leader, uh, you're making decisions that might affect their future, their careers, or even their emotional well-being in terms of you make a decision that's a, to say something, it's a hurtful decision, et cetera. So I think the idea of saying, okay, how do I have more informed decision-making? And for me, probably more of an engineer than, than uh, an architect, the, the idea is actually then what informs it. And to me, 
evidence would be things like, obviously, if you're working in, it might be financial or whatever it is in terms of your professional, but it's also evidence is part of your experience. What evidence have I had in my, my life that says, if I make this decision, it will be a good decision for, you know, for both myself and for the people who are impacted by that. So probably that that's, um, they're all good. Personally, that's the one that I kind of uh, pull out and say that, you know, that's almost a must for anybody. And, and don't, not just to see evidence-based decision-making and saying, well, you know, when are we going to put a budget together? What evidence do I have to make that happen? Or if I'm going to put a strategic plan, what evidence do I have? My SWOT analysis. But even in terms of our personal lives, what evidence is this that this is a good decision? Because we know that every decision has consequences, whether it's an organizational decision or a personal decision. So how do I gather that? How do I actually process it? And how do I actually create in my own mind a formula for actually making this decision so that I can make more decisions that are good than decisions that are bad? Because we, we're going, you know, it's like batting in a baseball game. You, you don't bet a thousand, right? <laughs> There's always going to be times you strike out and you don't want those to be around to have critical issues in your life, careers, you know, partners and, and so on. For those of you listening, if you'd like to check out that specific badge, you can find it at x.lapu.edu. But John, anything that we didn't cover, anything else that you'd like to share with us? Your favorite dessert, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that could be a very, again, a very long podcast if we go along there. Um, no, just how important it is to have these conversations. Because um, I think sometimes we, we misalign positional titles with actually people, right? And so we all have business cards and which all tell us professionally what we need to be. I remember uh, when I, I received my doctorate, my wife reminded me, I still put my pants on one leg at a time. It, it really doesn't, there's only so much you can you can do with that, right? And until apparently I can write a script, it's not going to work um, real well. But the idea is that we're all human and we all have the same needs and we all need to grow. And I think part of our growing is just learning. I, th- I haven't met somebody who hasn't said when you say, did you have a good day? And they say, yes. And you, and you say, what did you learn? They don't have something that they learned, okay? And whether it was an experience or a particular fact. And um, last night I was um, reading something and there was a new term that came out and all of a sudden I Googled it, which is a very dangerous thing, right? Because now you're 30 minutes later, <laughs> you're down another bunny trail, you know, in terms of well, what does that mean? When I finished that, I thought, boy, you know, I, I know something now that I didn't know this morning. And uh, so the same thing. So that's informal, right? The formal stuff is what we're looking at because there's some things that I just can't find. And I, I want to I want to actually use the experience and I want to use knowledge that others have. And this is a great way to do it, you know, through education, especially through short time frame education like we're doing at LAPUX. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, John. Callista, any other questions that you have? No, I think that was really great. You probably both have lots of questions, but probably not appropriate for the podcast. So (laughs) we we will leave that out. Anyway, (laughs) thanks so much for having me on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking more. Great. Thanks so much, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of LAPUX Lessons. We hope you had fun learning something new today. If you did, please take a few seconds to review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We also value your feedback so highly because we're doing this for you. Come connect with us on social media so we can get to know you better. All of our channels are listed in the show description. Before you go, we want to invite you to visit x.lapu.edu to see the courses that our awesome team has created. Check back often as we are always developing new offerings. 
or you can subscribe to this podcast where we will announce and feature new courses as they become available. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, this is what learning feels like.